Hi, this is James Rustad playing Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders, who is on the cover of Time magazine this week. This song is called Cover of Time. Corporate billionaires stash their profits offshore. This is immoral. I can't take it anymore. The poor and middle class get left behind. And that's what's on my mind. If you go to the newsstand, you'll see my face. Cover of time. And the former front runners in second place. Cover of time. Childhood poverty. Tragedies gotta go. We need diplomacy. Not foreign wars. Say no. on my mind. If you go to the news, then you see my face. Cover of time. And the former front runners in second place. Cover of time. If you go to the news, then you see my face. Cover of time. And the former front runners in second place. I'm James Rustad. Follow me on Twitter at James Rustad Song. Go to jamesrustad.com. Click below to subscribe to my YouTube. Like James Rustad Music on Facebook. Feel the burn, baby. Burn and that was Cover of Time by James Rustad, which you can find on YouTube by searching for James Rustad. Find that in other songs he's recorded uh, as Bernie and as some other politicians as well. At the end of the program, we'll hear... Bernie Sanders supports song number three by Long Trail Turtle, which can be found on the Long Trail Turtle YouTube page. Greetings and welcome back to Bernie 2016. This is an independent podcast established to follow and comment on Bernie Sanders' candidacy for President of the United States. This podcast is completely independent of any any candidate, party, or PAC. You can send me a message at BernieUS2016 at gmail.com or follow on Twitter at BernieUS2016. You can find out more about Bernie2016 at Bernie-2016.com. That's where you'll find my Flipboard magazine, Bernie for President, where I'm up to 6,700 articles on Bernie and his run. And you'll find all of the prior episodes of the Bernie 2016 podcast. So I started out with that James Rustad song, Cover of Time, because Time Magazine did recently have a poll. I mentioned it back in the last episode. And they also just recently released their Person of the Year episode. Unfortunately, Bernie did not make it onto the cover of person of the year issue of time magazine um they did not even include bernie and i by they i mean the editors of time did not include bernie in their short list of potential choices for person of the year this article is by brent badowski 
and this is from Observer News. Bernie Sanders was a smash hit among readers of Time in its polling of who should be named Person of the Year in 2015, but Mr. Sanders, his supporters, and Time's readers were all snubbed and ripped off when he was not even chosen as one of the eight finalists. To add insult to injury, the same Time editors who didn't include Mr. Sanders did include Donald Trump in a stunning reveal of the arrogance and self-interest of the corporate media that Mr. Sanders has led the charge to condemn, with good reason in my view, throughout the campaign. So it's not it's not any surprise to me that uh, this occurred. The popular vote here went for Bernie Sanders, but the editorial decisions were made in a different direction. Not any surprise whatsoever. Um, it it just points to the kind of echoes the larger uh some of the larger elements that are going on in this particular campaign in this particular election cycle where uh Bernie Sanders is finding quite a significant amount of support um among the public and among the people and that's i think shown off the most in his fundraising efforts and the amount of people that have donated to his campaign. And he's finding not a whole lot of support among the establishment, the establishment media, the establishment politicians. Um, he is an outsider to the, a lot of those uh, circles. And despite being you know, someone who has, has been in Washington and been in government for quite a long time. Um, so the the Time Magazine decision um, kind of goes right along, falls, falls right in line with uh, some of the, the bigger picture of what's going on in this election. So I'll just get back into the story now. Let me offer a modest proposal for liberals, populists, progressives, and Sanders supporters who want to fight back against the extreme bias of the corporate media, against a candidate with the greatest single voice, against income inequality, social injustice, and economic unfairness in the campaign for president. My proposal is this. Fight back against the injustice of time's omission of economic justice's greatest great champion, from its list of finalists for Person of the Year by launching a tidal wave of social media and grassroots-driven small donations to the Sanders campaign. I have no problem with time putting Mr. Trump on its list of finalists for Person of the Year. The Person of the Year is not based on whom we agree with or disagree with, but on who has had the most influence. There is no doubt Mr. Trump earned his place as a person of great influence. In fact, he has had more influence on the Republican Party than any other Republican. And whether we agree with his views or not, he has earned a place on the list of finalists for that reason alone. I do have a huge problem with the Time editors, including Mr. Trump, while rejecting Mr. Sanders, who has had more influence than any other candidate on the direction of the Democratic Party. Whether a Democrat supports Hillary Clinton or Mr. Sanders, he has been the candidate driving the debate. And she has been the candidate reacting to his leadership on one great progressive issue after another, time after time, day after day, week after week, month 
after month. In a recent column, I argued with supporting data that Bernie Sanders can fairly stake a claim to being the most electable candidate for president in either party. I cited polling that supports his right to make this claim, which suggests that in the eyes of the voters, Mr. Sanders is more electable than Mrs. Clinton, Mr. Trump, Dr. Ben Carson, Senator Marco Rubio, and Senator Ted Cruz. And this story goes on a bit more about uh, Sanders and his campaign and Time magazine. And it wraps up by saying, Bernie Sanders got a raw deal from Time, but in this country, the people still have a voice and we have just begun to fight. And our next piece is from Politicus. And this is by Jason Easley. Senator Bernie Sanders took to the Senate floor and shattered Mitch McConnell's Obamacare repeal delusion by dropping a fact bomb on the GOP. On the Senate floor, Senator Sanders said, quote, I think everybody here in the Senate understands this. The bill we are debating today is a complete waste of time. This is just another reason why the American people have so little respect for the Congress. There are major crises facing our country, and the Republican leadership once again is attempting to repeal Obamacare. I kind of lost track about how many times this effort has been made. I think in the House it was over 50. I don't know how many it is here in the Senate. So let me break the news to my Republican colleagues, although I am sure that they already got the news, and that is Obama is not going to sign a bill repealing Obamacare. I think that is not likely to happen, and what we're doing today is just a waste of time. The last thing we need is a budget reconciliation bill that throws 17 million Americans off of health insurance and denies nearly 3 million women the health care they need by defunding Planned Parenthood. The reason why the American people are angry and the reason why the Congress is so unpopular is that the Congress is not addressing the real problems that are impacting the lives each and every day. At a time when the rich are getting richer, poverty is increasing, and the middle class has been in a 40-year decline, we need a budget that improves the lives of all Americans, not just the people on the top. Sanders delivered the blunt truth to the grand old reality-challenged party. Their reconciliation bill wish list of taking away health care from 17 million people while defunding Planned Parenthood is never going to happen. Period. It isn't going to happen. President Obama will never sign the bill and Republicans will never have the votes needed to override his veto. And I think, as Bernie said, the Republicans knew this quite well when they brought this bill forward and they debated it, and they put it up for a vote, and actually did pass it. This bill did pass in the House and passed in the Senate, but not with the level of support that could possibly override a veto. So it will go to the president, the president will veto it, and it will die to be resurrected by the Republicans again at some point in the future. The Republicans do gain bragging rights to be able to, uh, when they're running for re-election, to be able to tell their potential constituents 
um, that they tried to repeal Obamacare, um, already having convinced many of their constituents that Obamacare is uh, not not a good um, not a good law uh, that's there on the books. And surprisingly, or maybe not so surprisingly, but a lot of those uh, same Republicans, the, the state-level Republicans, governors, etc., who speak out against Obamacare, also accept the Obamacare um, funding and money because it helps cover a lot more people in their states. And on to a story from CNN Politics by Eugene Scott. Two weeks after renouncing the conservative movement, teen internet phenom C.J. Pearson has swung to the opposite side of the political spectrum and is endorsing Bernie Sanders for president. The 13-year-old whose past attacks on President Barack Obama have gone viral on YouTube told CNN that he has come to believe that Sanders is the best candidate to address racial issues, police brutality, and poverty. Quote, this election will make a pivotal difference in the future of our nation. If it takes changing your mind to make the right choice as to who should lead our country, I am willing to do it. Screw the optics. Pearson, the former chairman of Teens for Ted Cruz, told CNN. So when I first saw this story, I didn't think that it really would have a whole lot of weight. This is a 13-year-old on YouTube. Um, he does apparently have quite a following. I don't know exactly how big that following is, but he has before now been a very conservative, uh, I'll call him a pundit, even though he may not, may not, um, may not really fall into that category. I haven't, as I said, have only heard of him maybe once before, and I'm not very familiar with what he does, but based on what little I know, he has uh, espoused some very, very conservative viewpoints before now and has changed his mind and, and made a big, a big abrupt change. And I think that it's important for two reasons, even though I don't really know how much weight uh, this individual has, and especially if he's been... Um, supporting a very conservative viewpoint, then most of his followers are very unlikely to follow suit. But if he uh, changes a couple of minds out there, I think that's important. I, I think that what I was, what actually kind of led me to include this in, uh, in this episode was that there's a fair amount of backlash. People are, are you know, people who I think previously liked and supported what uh, CJ had to say um, have come out on Twitter to attack him and, uh, you know, mock him in ways that are not unsurprising for people who uh, interact online frequently. Um, but I think the uh, level of dismay expressed by his followers show that uh, this change of heart and change of mindset um, does have an impact. It's having an impact on all these people, even if the impact, it, initial impact is just them saying, well, 
you know, de- denouncing him or, you know, pointing out prior what they might consider prior inconsistencies or indecisiveness um, on from this particular individual. So uh, I think it was interesting in that sense. I think it's also interesting in this sense. I think that Bernie can appeal to someone who is very conservative, to someone who is middle class, is working class, is poor, and who is, I'll call it under the spell, but who who believes in the right-wing politicians who, in my opinion, um, try to divide them from their natural uh their natural supporters and natural friends. I mean, people who are in the same boat as them, people who would benefit from a particular kind of policy. Onto another, um, another endorsement that Bernie got. Um, so this story is by Do- Joe. Des Hotel or Des Hotel. Um, and let's see if I can see. This is from the Burnt Orange Report. And it's titled Hip Hop Legend Bun B Endorses Bernie Sanders for President. It's been tough holding back the news for over a week, but Bernard Freeman, better known by his stage name Bun B, endorsed Senator Bernie Sanders for President. In the first episode of a new podcast by promoter Matt Sanzala called Hip Hop for Bernie Sanders, Bun B was one half of the influential duo, duo UGK from Port Arthur, Texas, and he has since achieved major acclaim and success as a solo artist. Freeman is also an educator at the prestigious Rice University in Houston, Texas. Bun B has been a hasn't been a total stranger to politics. In 2008, he endorsed Barack Obama for president and has done several PSAs, including in 2009 for a Senate runoff election in Port Arthur, an anti-littering campaign in Galveston, and a no-texting-while-driving initiative in Houston with the mayor. Sonzala said the formula for his new podcast is to bring a politically-minded artist on with one that is less so to try and bridge the gap for an audience who may also be less politically motivated. In that vein, Bun B described how hip-hop can help empower and give a voice to young people, and how voting can translate that into political power and ultimately change. He continued saying that the dialogue allows people to understand the why behind their support for Bernie as a candidate. Speaking as an, quote, elder in the hip-hop community, He said he was making it known that artists shouldn't stay silent for fear of, quote, compromising yourself with the corporate world, but instead, quote, worry about compromising yourself and your family's future by not being man enough or woman enough to speak up about how you feel. So another supporter for for Bernie from the hip-hop community. Next up is from BuzzFeed, BuzzFeed News. 
And this is called Sanders Shows Frustration with Media in Meeting with Baltimore Pastors. This is by Darren Sands. Toward the end of a press conference at the Freddie Gray Empowerment Center, a reporter asked Bernie Sanders, is there a reason you don't want to talk about ISIS? And I think actually before I get go on to uh, into this story a little bit deeper, Bernie Sanders did tour um, the area of Baltimore where Freddie Gray was from. Freddie Gray was an African-American who was arrested and thrown into the back of a police van and was driven to uh, a station somewhere in Baltimore. But um, during that ride, Freddie Gray died, or at least was uh, wounded in such a way or injured in such a way that he died shortly thereafter. Um, My take and my understanding of the situation was, you know, Freddie Gray was thrown into the back of this police van and uh what i presume happened based on what i know of the incident is that police van was then driven in a manner that i would call recklessly to intentionally harm freddie gray in the back um he was not uh seat belted in which is standard procedure for anyone that's uh, put into the back of the police van to be transported. And the coroner found a injury on his head that was consistent with his head slamming against the interior of the van and actually slamming against a bolt on the interior of the van. Just a little background on Freddie Gray. The um, DA has brought charges against the police officers who were involved and one of those police officers actually just trial just began. Um, so Bernie Sanders went at the invitation of some uh, pastors and others uh, from the community, um, went and toured the neighborhood where uh, where Freddie Gray lived um, to see what the situation was there and what it looked like. And after that, went and had a, uh, a press conference. That's what this particular article is about. Um, so back to the article. Uh, so towards the end of a press conference at the Freddie Gray Empowerment Center, a reporter asked Bernie Sanders, quote, is there a reason you don't want to talk about ISIS? Before the senator entered the room, his national press secretary, Simone Sanders, told the press horde that Sanders and a group of black pastors with whom he had just met would arrive soon from a meeting on education, historically black colleges and universities, economic inequality, and racial justice. The Sanders campaign wanted to talk about those topics, about the meeting with the pastors, and about his tour of Sandown, the neighborhood Sandtown, the neighborhood where Freddie Gray, whose death while in Baltimore Police Department custody sparked demonstrations this year, was from. Quote, don't ask about ISIS today the press secretary told reporters as an aside. Sanders has shown increasing frustration with the media in recent weeks about what he argues is an overemphasis on ISIS at the expense of domestic issues as well as his outreach to black voters. Sanders' campaign officials contend that he has no problem talking about issues like immigration and terrorism, though. In Washington on Monday, Sanders addressed ISIS and terrorism for about 15 minutes, 
during a gaggle with reporters after an event on immigration. At Tuesday's presser, Simone Sanders' plan was to remind the press corps about why the pastors, many of them who traveled on their own dime, had come to Baltimore to meet with Sanders. But when asked about ISIS, Bernie Sanders let out a laugh. What about ISIS, guys? Sanders said, turning to the pastors alongside him. How often are these people talking about the issues we talked about today? The pastors groaned and shook their heads. Of course I'll talk about ISIS, but today what we're talking about is a community in which half of the people don't have jobs, Sanders continued. Some in the room, including the pastors next to Sanders, began to clap as he juxtaposed the media's emphasis on ISIS and the issues they had talked about. We're talking about a community in which there are hundreds of buildings that are uninhabitable, he said. We're talking about a community where kids are unable to go to schools that are decent. You want to talk to me about ISIS? We will talk about ISIS. What I have said is that obviously ISIS and terrorism are a huge national security issue that we've got to address, Sanders continued. But so is poverty. So is unemployment. So is education. So is health care. I will continue to talk about these issues. In the private meeting with the black pastors attended by BuzzFeed News, Sanders argued the press seldom asks him about, say, about poverty in America. An attendee asked Sanders about increasing the number of black media and restoring tax credits for media property owners, the discontinuation of which annihilated black ownership in the industry, the attendee said. Quote, if you become president, will you take a close look so that these kinds of ideas can be heard? The attendee asked. Sanders cut him off. Absolutely. It's easy for me to say yes, but let me tell you why, he said before launching into some of the common themes of his stump speech, namely that a small group of very wealthy people control the corporate media. Every day somebody decides, this is a quote, quote, every day somebody decides this is what the news is going to be. And I got news for you. It ain't going to be poverty in America, Sanders said. It's not going to be income and wealth inequality or the fact that we're the only major country on earth without a national health care program guaranteeing health care to all people. That's not the news. I am amazed, especially since I've been running for president, that I can pretty much tell you and predict what my questions will be from the media, he continued. I've been in politics a long time. Do you know how people have asked me? Do you know how many people have asked me the questions that you guys have asked me today? What are we going to do about poverty in America? Do you know how many times I've been asked that question? Never. Not once. That's the truth. So that is the one of the best articles that I saw about uh, Sanders' trip, his visit, his experience in Baltimore, and the... Uh, the press event following it. The vast majority of the stories that I saw all talked about Sanders not wanting to talk about ISIS and Sanders getting upset or angry or frustrated when uh, the reporter brought up ISIS and kind of castigating Sanders for uh, not talking about the issue that they wanted to talk about. And this frustrates me to no end the, the media just wants to drive the debate. The media wants to um, tell its story instead of trying to understand what the candidate wants to talk about, what the candidate stands for. It's Yes, it's important for Bernie to talk about ISIS, and he has, 
and if you've paid attention to Bernie, you've if you listened to the last podcast that I that I uh, put out, um, you heard him talk about ISIS there. He has talked about ISIS in various different uh, venues, and if the media doesn't think that's enough, I, I'm thrilled that Bernie is willing to call the media on on their bullshit, on their their attempt to steer the debate in the direction that they want it to go in um, and that he is always, always consistently willing to bring that back to the issues that he thinks are so important and the issues that are so undercovered. It's what is great about Bernie. It's what uh, makes him a great senator. It's what will make him a great president. And the next story is from Samantha Lockman on Huff Post Politics. The Working Families Party endorsed Senator Bernie Sanders' bid for the Democratic presidential nomination Tuesday after an overwhelming majority of its members backed the progressive candidate. It's the first time the party has formally backed a candidate in a national election. Over 87% of Working Families Party members voted for Sanders, compared to 11.5% for former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton and 1.1% for former Maryland Governor Martin O'Malley. The final endorsement decision was based on both the membership vote and the votes of the group's National Advisory Board. Quote, We want to live in a nation that allows all people to live a decent life, no matter what is in their parents' bank account or who is in their family tree. Working Families Party National Director Dan Cantor said in a statement, quote, but the super rich have used their economic muscle to buy political muscle. And unless you're one of them, what you think government should do basically doesn't count. That's why we're standing with Bernie Sanders to build a political revolution and to make our nation into one where every family can thrive. Bernie has devoted his career to helping working families and is gratified by the support of the Working Families Party, Sanders campaign manager Jeff Weaver said in a statement. Together they will work to take on the billionaire class and change the rigged economy that is being held up by a corrupt political system. So most of you probably haven't heard of the Working Families Party before. I was not familiar with the party myself. Uh, The Working Families Party has chapters in 10 states. It elected its first state legislator on its own party line in a Connecticut State Senate special election in February. It also has elected members to city council and school board seats. The party typically endorses Democrats when it doesn't have a member in the race, but sometimes will threaten to challenge Democrats who stray too far from its progressive populist agenda in the primaries. The party's chapters have seen issue advocacy success in pressuring Democrats to pass minimum wage and paid sick leave laws. It has emerged as a leading voice on the left, helping to elect Philadelphia Mayor-elect Jim Kenney and New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio. The Sanders endorsement is significant because the Working Families Party fellow progressive groups like Move On and the Progressive Change Campaign Committee have so far held off on endorsing in the Democratic primary, even as most of the country's major labor unions have already backed Clinton. And continuing on, another 
article from HuffPost Politics by Laura Baron Lopez. Bernie Sanders unveils forceful climate change plan, and he's going after big oil. Democratic presidential candidate Senator Bernie Sanders unveiled a forceful climate change plan Monday that sets its sights on the fossil fuel industry and commits to taxing carbon pollution. In the sweeping 16-page plan, Sanders lays out an agenda that would repeal fossil fuel industry subsidies, dedicate funding toward a clean energy workforce of 10 million jobs, ban oil, coal, and gas lobbyists from working in the White House, and return billions to the communities hit hardest by the transition to cleaner energy sources and extreme weather tied to climate change. Quote, Right now we have an energy policy that is rigged to boost the profits of big oil companies like Exxon, BP, and Shell at the expense of average Americans, Sanders said in a statement. CEOs are raking in record profits while climate change ravages our planet and our people. All because the wealthiest industry in the history of our planet has bribed politicians into complacency in the face of climate change. A sizable chunk of Sanders' plan takes aim at the fossil fuel industry, which has battled with the fall of coal, lower oil prices, and regulations meant to curb production and push the nation's energy makeup towards less carbon-intensive sources. Addressing nearly every controversial issue under the energy and environment policy umbrella, Sanders' plan would outright ban offshore drilling, ban Arctic drilling, block natural gas exports, stop attempts to lift a decades-old ban on crude oil exports, support states trying to ban natural gas fracking, and ban mountaintop removal coal mining. While stressing the need to move away from oil, gas, and coal, Sanders' plan states that if elected, he would be fair to those working in the energy sector, investing in solar, wind, and other renewable sources, the proposal states, would create millions of jobs. Pointing to legislation he has introduced in the Senate, Sanders argued for increasing low-income families' access to solar energy and providing benefits for workers moving from a career in the oil fields or coal mines to the clean energy industry. Quote, The climate plan released by Senator Bernie Sanders today shows that he has broken free of the corporate and 1% money that has held back climate policy for far too long. Annie Leonard, executive director of Greenpeace, said in a statement. Sanders has issued a powerful call for climate justice and decisive action to keep fossil fuels in the ground and support the communities who are suffering from climate and environmental impacts. And the next story here is from The Observer, and it is titled... Shock poll. Bernie Sanders is the most electable candidate in either party. It is by Brent Badowski. A stunning new poll by Quinnipiac suggests Bernie Sanders is the most electable candidate in either party to be the next president of the United States. In the Quinnipiac poll, Mr. Sanders would defeat Republican frontrunner Donald Trump by eight points, while Hillary Clinton would defeat him by only six points. Sanders would defeat Ben Carson by six points, with Clinton defeating him by only three. Sanders would defeat Texas Republican Senator Ted Cruz by ten points, while Ms. Clinton would defeat him by five. 
and Sanders and Hillary Clinton would both defeat Florida Republican Senator Marco Rubio by one point. While the polls, uh, while polls often show different results, there are additional polls showing the same pattern to the relative political strength of the Democratic and Republican candidates. There was a New Hampshire poll also that came out after this poll that showed very, very similar results, um, with Bernie Sanders beating the Republicans by a wider margin than Hillary Clinton was beating the Republicans. It is now very plausible to argue that of all the candidates in either party for the presidential race, Bernie Sanders is more electable than Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump, Ben Carson, Ted Cruz, and Marco Rubio. While this astounding possibility is contrary to the almost unanimous conventional wisdom of political pundits, there are very concrete reasons it could be true. How could Ms. Clinton have a commanding lead over Mr. Sanders in every national poll of Democrats, while Mr. Trump has a huge lead over every Republican in most national polls of Republicans? While Mr. Sanders could turn out to be the most electable presidential candidate of either party in a general election? The answer, if this thesis turns out to be true, is actually simple. Presidents are elected in general elections, not in primaries and caucuses that choose the nominees. General elections are not decided by the pool of voters in the Democrat and Republican nominating campaigns, but by the broader poll of voters in the general election campaign, where the winner is usually the candidate who can win the most votes from the political independents and members of the other party in the decisive vote on election day. It is very possible Ms. Clinton could have a strong lead among registered Democrats, but because her negative ratings are high and her trust ratings are low, she could have difficulty winning the votes of many political independents and Republicans compared to Mr. Sanders. It is equally possible that for the very reasons Mr. Trump holds a strong lead among Republicans, he antagonizes large numbers of independents and Democrats compared to Mr. Sanders. The most intriguing and important variables that explain why Mr. Sanders can now make a credible case he is more electable than any other Democratic or Republican candidate for president are these. First, Mr. Sanders has very high ratings for integrity, trust, and authenticity in an election year where large numbers of voters feel strong distrust from major political figures and media institutions. Second, Mr. Sanders embodies a pure play candidate for a progressive populist agenda that has powerful and, I would argue, majority support from American voters. And there's been a number of other articles that have kind of walked through a lot of the things that uh, Bernie Sanders stands for and is fighting for in his campaign, and the percentage of the American public who also feels the same way about those particular issues. I, I think this article starts to get to the point, I think one that's um, really important for the general election. Um, Hillary Clinton is extraordinarily well known. Hardly anybody does not know who she is. Um, but with that, with her history, she has a large segment of the population, the general, the general public, that does not like and does not support her. And in a general election, that large negative 
will have a big impact on what the final results will be. Um, Bernie Sanders is not near anywhere nearly as well known. I don't think any candidate out there other than Trump is as well known as Hillary Clinton. Um, but Bernie Sanders is is much more trusted by the general public, the people who know enough to have an opinion on Bernie Sanders. Um, in in most of these polls that have a favorable unfavorable um, segment of the poll, Bernie Sanders is one of the few politicians that comes out on with a net favorable rating among the general public. There are only a couple of others. Ben Carson often comes out with a a net positive rating among the general public, but the vast majority of other candidates come out with a net negative rating. And the net rating just means you take the percentage of positive and the percentage of negative and you kind of add them together. So someone has a 60% positive rating and a 40% negative rating, they have a net plus 20 um, rating. So again, if, in the, if those are flipped, the candidate would have a net negative 20 rating uh, for, for favorability. Um, and that's where most candidates are, are underwater. Most candidates are in, in the negative side of that equation with a few candidates and Bernie Sanders in most of the polls I've seen being at the top um, with the highest net positive rating. Um, so there's there's a lot of elements that make Bernie, Bernie Sanders a very strong candidate in the general election. Um, he does not change his opinion on or the things that he's fighting for now are things that he's fought for for 30 and 40 years. They're, they're the same things that he's he's been fighting for for a long time. He hasn't uh, taken a poll to decide which way the public is leaning um, to determine which way he's going to decide to vote or what, or what he's going to decide to fight for. He's going to fight for the things that he thinks are right. You can agree or disagree and and that will not bother him in the least. He will continue to fight for the things that he thinks are right, unless you can convince him that, in fact, he's wrong about an issue or doesn't have the right emphasis on an issue. He's going to continue to uh, fight for the things that he believes in. And uh, here's a another story. Um, on Sanders and gun safety legislation. And this is from the Bernie Sanders website. Uh, Sanders calls for common sense gun safety legislation. Following the mass shooting in San Bernardino, California, Senator Bernie Sanders joined with his Democratic colleagues in the Senate to call for sensible gun safety legislation. Quote, here's the very sad truth, and that is very difficult for the American people to keep up with the mass shootings that we seem to see almost every day. Yesterday, San Bernardino, a few days ago, Colorado Springs, before that, Roseburg, Oregon, before that, Chattanooga, Tennessee, and on and on it goes. The San Bernardino shooting was the 355th mass shooting this year. Gun violence has reached epidemic levels in the United States, 
Over the past decade, 275,000 Americans have been killed by guns. Let me paraphrase what President Obama said recently, and what he said is, this is not an easy problem to solve. But just because it is not an easy problem to solve does not mean that we should not do everything we can. Now, the bad news is that this nation is divided over gun legislation. That is a simple fact. That is a political reality. But the good news is there is a broad consensus, perhaps 60-70% of the American people, who agree on common-sense gun safety legislation. And here is what that consensus is about, supported by a strong majority of the American people. We need to significantly expand and improve background checks. Who is arguing that people who should not have guns because of a criminal background, because of mental problems, should not be able to purchase guns? Very few Americans disagree with that. We need to renew the assault weapons ban. We need to end the sale of high-capacity magazines. We need to make gun trafficking a federal crime and give law enforcement the tools they need to get illegal guns off the streets. We need to close the gun show loophole, as well as loopholes that allow gun purchasers to buy a gun after the waiting period expires without a completed background check. We need to close loopholes that allow domestic abusers and stalkers to obtain guns. We need to strengthen penalties for straw purchasers who buy guns from licensed dealers on behalf of someone prohibited from purchasing a gun. And very significantly, we need to greatly expand and improve our mental health capabilities. The sad reality is that in America today, there are many thousands of people who are walking our streets who are suicidal or homicidal, and these people need treatment when they need treatment, regardless of their income, regardless of their insurance status. When they are in crisis, they should be able to get treatment today, not two months from now. These are just some of the ideas that, in fact, are supported by the vast majority of the American people, and it's time the Congress moves forward in response. So that was Bernie Sanders' um, response or his focus on gun safety legislation um, in the wake of the San Bernardino shooting. And this next article is from the website Occupy Democrats. This is by Shannon Argueta. Democratic presidential candidate Bernie Sanders has had an incredible rise in popularity since he announced that he would be challenging Hillary Clinton in the party's primary race. Clinton was once thought to be the shoe-in Democratic pick, but Sanders has been quickly closing in on the former Secretary of State in the polls. His pro-middle-class politics, stalwart denouncement of corporate power, and vigorous condemnations on the influence of the 1% have catapulted the once little-known independent senator from Vermont into the national spotlight. Now he is once again surprising people by getting his name on the Texas ballot. Not by paying money, but by collecting the support of the people through petitions. Quote, Texas law says that major party candidates can get on the primary election ballot with signatures or with money. The Sanders campaign will save several thousand dollars when their petitions are accepted. More importantly, they have a database of supporters far in excess of any other candidate. In fact, their levels of individual donations and volunteer activism even exceed those of the vigorous Obama campaign in 2007, according to the state organizer. So instead of uh, paying the fee to get on the ballot, 
in Texas, the Sanders campaign has gone out and collected the signatures required to get that ballot access. Um, it's a smart move. Uh, the article goes on a little further. Um, by collecting signatures to get himself on the ballot, he is proving that candidates do not need to spend millions of dollars to run a successful campaign. Furthermore, he will not be in debt to the big corporate donors whom he loathes so much. So um, a lot of good reasons and a lot of uh, positive aspects to actually getting out there, hitting the streets with your campaign, collecting those signatures to get on the ballot in a state like Texas. And this next piece is from Nation of Change. In response to a recently released police dash cam video depicting the death of 17-year-old Laquan McDonald, Senator Bernie Sanders has called for a federal investigation into the Chicago Police Department. But unlike presidential candidate Hillary Clinton, Sanders also said that any elected official, including possibly Mayor Rahm Emanuel and State Attorney General Anita Alvarez, should resign if involved in suppressing the video or attempting to cover up the fatal shooting. Quote, I join with those calling for a federal investigation into the practices of the Chicago Police Department. Furthermore, any official who helped suppress the videotape of Laquan McDonald's murder should be held accountable. And any elected official with knowledge that the tape was being suppressed or improperly withheld should resign. No one should be shielded by power or position, Sanders said in a statement released to the Chicago Sun-Times on Friday. After shooting McDonald 16 times on October 20, 2014, Officer Jason Van Dyke initially claimed that the teen had lunged at him with a knife in the moments before the shooting. But police and city officials were aware of a dash cam video that recorded the shooting and revealed that McDonald was walking away from the officer when Van Dyke opened fire. Instead of releasing the footage to the public, officials suppressed the video for 13 months. As the city of Chicago denied multiple requests to release the footage, freelance journalist Brandon Smith filed a Freedom of Information Act request. When the request was denied, Smith filed a lawsuit against the city. After Illinois Attorney General Lisa Madigan found the police department's claims to withhold the video were unsubstantiated, Cook County Judge Franklin Valderrama ordered the city to release the footage by no later than November 25th. Within hours of arresting Van Dyke for first-degree murder, the city finally released the police dash cam video on November 24, 2015, so 13 months after this incident, when this evidence was available, um, it was suppressed, it was held back, it was not released to the media or to the public. Um, and anybody that was part of that, Bernie Sanders clearly calls that uh, they should be held accountable for taking part in blocking public access to that video. So um, a very, very strong position taken by Bernie Sanders. And here's another piece on the, uh, on the same uh, issue. And this piece is 
um, from Mike, M-I-C, the website, and this is by Luke Brinker. Senator Bernie Sanders suggested on Friday that Chicago Mayor Rahm Emanuel may need to resign amid the raging controversy over how city officials handled the release of videotape showing the police killing of Laquan McDonald, a 17-year-old African-American shot 16 times by white police officer Jason Van Dyke. Um, While Sanders didn't mention Emmanuel by name, he added any elected official with knowledge that the tape was being suppressed or improperly withheld should resign. No one should be shielded by power or position. And uh, that position that Bernie Sanders took was in um, stark opposition to the position taken by Hillary Clinton, who, while you know, criticizing the um, situation generally, she was very supportive of Mayor Rahm Emanuel. So a little while back, Apple released the updated version of their Apple TV. I think it's a uh, version number four of their Apple TV. And this version finally lets you download apps that are made by app developers that are not just uh, official Apple approved um, apps, which usually were for entities like Netflix, etc. Apple still approves all of these apps, but these apps go well beyond the the video resources that um, the prior versions of the Apple TV would would be able to support. Well, lo and behold, I did uh, purchase a updated Apple TV and was searching through those apps when I found the Bernie 2016 app on the Apple TV. Um, so Bernie's campaign actually has an official app at the time, and I, perhaps even still. Um, Bernie was the only presidential candidate that had an app on the new Apple TV. Uh, This app has a significant number of videos from the Bernie campaign. At my last count, there were over 100 videos available to watch via this app. So if you have the new Apple TV and you haven't found that app yet, check that app app out. Or if you happen to uh, get an Apple TV for Christmas, you've got uh, some built-in Bernie Sanders or built-in access, or it's not quite built-in, you have to download the app, but available access to videos from the Bernie Sanders campaign. And this story is by Sedar Adanasio. It's from IBT Media, which I believe is International Business Times. Bernie Sanders releases ambitious immigration proposals on prisons, border security, citizenship, and more. Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders announced a sweeping set of immigration reform proposals, pledging to make the issue a top priority of his administration if elected president. The 10-page proposal proposes pro-immigrant policies from everything like deportation and detention reform to prison reform to rejecting free trade agreements like NAFTA. 
The six-point plan also proposes humanitarian goals like reducing border deaths and increasing intake of refugees. In a statement, Sanders said that the announcement came in the context of American Thanksgiving. Quote, As we gather with our loved ones to give thanks, we should reflect on the fact that not all families will be so lucky. Millions of families are torn apart by our broken immigration policies. We cannot forget about the aspiring Americans who continue to live in the shadows. Calling the plan, quote, the strongest in the Democratic field, the Sanders campaign says that the platform would be even more progressive than that of Governor O'Malley's, whose seven-page proposal released months ago is more detailed and promises more to pro-immigrant voters than Clinton's public statements. As president, I will fight for comprehensive immigration reform that provides a pathway to citizenship and is grounded in civil, humane, and economic rights, Sanders said in a statement, promising to take more actions if Congress did not pass such legislation. And an opinion piece from the editorial board of the New York Times uh, commented on Bernie Sanders' immigration policy. And that story is titled, Bernie Sanders Gets Immigration Policy Right. Senator Bernie Sanders released his immigration plan on Tuesday. To read it, and every citizen should, is to be yanked back in time to an America that not so long ago was having a reasonable immigration discussion in a time when major reform had strong bipartisan support and a shot at becoming law. But since the immigration reform bill was killed in 2013, the party that killed it, the Republicans, has dragged the immigration debate to grotesque depths that go well beyond the usual nativist bigotry. Republican presidential candidates are arguing in all seriousness about sealing the border with fantastical 2,000-mile fences and weaponized drones, merging state, local, and federal authorities and private prisons into one all-seeing immigration police state, forcibly registering American Muslims, mass-deporting 11 million Mexicans and others in a 21st-century trail of tears, and turning away thousands of refugees fleeing war and terrorism in the Middle East. Mr. Sanders, the Vermont senator seeking the Democratic presidential nomination, turns away from the insanity. His plan starts with the right premise, that immigrants should be welcomed and assimilated, not criminalized and exploited. His proposals seek to uphold American values, bolster the rule of law, bolster the economy, and protect and honor families. Recognizing Congress's chronic inaction on immigration, Mr. Sanders promises to use executive authority well beyond what President Obama has done. He would protect young immigrants and their parents from deportation and give, quote, broad administrative relief to young immigrants, to the parents of citizens and legal permanent residents, and to others who would have been allowed to stay under the 2013 Senate bill. This affirms the humane and sensible principle behind that legislation, that 11 million unauthorized immigrants should stay and contribute, not be isolated and expelled. The Sanders plan tackles an ugly truth, that racial profiling and the nation's vast deportation and detention machinery have made suspected criminals of millions of people who don't fit the definition. His promise to decouple 
federal immigration enforcement from local policing would be a sharp break from dragnet policies that expanded under President Obama. Mr. Sanders rightly defends sanctuary city policies that protect public safety by building trust between immigrant communities and local law enforcement. Mr. Sanders promised to increase immigrants' access to the justice system with more funding for courts and lawyers stands in sharp contrast to the Republican view of unauthorized immigrants as shadow society of criminals who haven't been deported yet. Mr. Sanders instead sees them as parents, breadwinners, taxpayers, bulwarks of the economy and of the communities they live in, aspiring Americans trapped by unjust laws and oppressive policing. Is that so radical? It may sound that way in today's climate, but it is a vision that lawmakers of both parties once embraced without question. Ronald Reagan and both Presidents Bush spoke movingly of immigrants as assets to the country to be welcomed through assimilation and citizenship. Mr. Sanders has done more than most of the other candidates to seed the campaign with good ideas. And that is a part of the opinion editorial um, from the New York Times on Bernie Sanders' immigration policy and coming out in strong support of that policy. And that will wrap up this episode of Bernie 2016. Uh, if you want to reach out to me, you can reach out to me at BernieUS2016 at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter, on Twitter at BernieUS2016. You can check out my webpage at Bernie-2016.com. And as we wrap up, we will hear Bernie Sanders support song number three by Long Trail Turtle. Bernie's on Thanks his for way. listening. To the White House he will go. He's what the world needs now. To set things right we know. He'll bring us all health care. College will be free. We'll all have a living wage and more equality. Oh, feel, feel that burn, feel the burn. Bernie's on his way. Heading to the White House. We'll celebrate that day. Feel the burn, feel the burn. Spread it through the year. And on next 